I'm Andy Lemasugu, and the entrepreneurship-themed discussion you're about to hear was taped live on stage at Spark's 7th annual Ignite conference in Amsterdam. This brief Firelighter conversation features three women who live and work in Arab states, namely Libyan Khala Bugajis, a law expert who co-founded Jusur Center of Studies and Development, a Libyan think tank which focuses on economic development with a special focus on women issues. Palestinian Jumana Salouz, who is program manager of the Business Women Forum Palestine, an organization which empowers local women founders and SMEs. And from Jordan, Lamia Tarabia, the founder of Nawaret Haretna, a women-focused community center which supports entrepreneurs. Listen in to hear the case for why backing women entrepreneurs is not just politically correct, but also economically sensible. A very big thank you to Spark for partnering with us to present this series. Now, Spark is a Dutch NGO that's backing many promising entrepreneurs in fragile regions of North and Sub-Saharan Africa and the Middle East. More about them later, but for now, do visit spark.ngo to learn more about the opportunities they're creating at spark.ngo. This is an independent African Tech Rounder production. The opinions expressed by me, your host, and those of my guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the presenting sponsor, Spark. Ladies, let's talk entrepreneurship. We'll start with you, Hala. Why is women entrepreneurship such a huge buzzword right now? I think it's because... um... They usually, they, they say, they talk about this in a negative way, but I think it's because women are more, um, when it comes to entrepreneurship, they, they think more longer term, at least in the Libyan context. So you really see that uh, the investment you do, it's paying back uh, quickly. Granted, the way I introduced it, it's a kind of jaded introduction. You know, there's tons of money flowing to the space. And in conversations with people like you, frankly, to be fair, I'm getting the sense that not a lot of that money is doing what it should. Maybe you can tell us, Jumana, give us a Palestinian perspective on why this is rightly so an area of deep interest, certainly for the money that's chasing the space. Actually, the Palestinian context, is, uh, it's a little bit more challenging. Uh, we can't ignore that uh, as Palestinians, we, we live under occupation. And uh, this limits entrepreneurship in a way or another. So uh, what we're trying to do as Business Women Forum is to provide the support and the right networks for women entrepreneurs to be able to expand, to be able to enter new markets through different services that we are offering, like business development services. And we work with these entrepreneurs directly, on sometimes on daily basis, in order to ensure the impact and that the money is spent according to the needs of the beneficiaries. Right. So Lamia, I want you to factor in on this conversation as a young entrepreneur. Would life be easier for you if you were a male entrepreneur, if you were a man? Uh, somehow. <laughs> How? Uh, because it's easier uh, to move freely and uh, to move from one place to another. It's easier for, uh, for men uh, for more than uh, women, especially in uh, in Middle East. It causes uh, lots of pressure on me to, uh, to, do, to be an uh, entrepreneur uh, woman. Uh, but I uh, decided to take uh, this uh, this street, uh, even if it's not uh, uh, walking by uh, lots of uh, women, because uh, this is my passion. 
to change and uh, to help others, uh, other women specifically to change because a woman is the center of its, uh, of her family and this will help her to, uh, to improve a whole family, not herself only. So Khala, you were a corporate lawyer before you founded Jusur, uh, which I found out means bridge. Bridges, it means bridges. So it's the plural of bridge. And just listening to your story the other evening at dinner, I, I realized a lot, one, a man like me takes for granted. And two, we couldn't come from further apart worlds. But the one thing I think you and I both shared, we both shared this professional privilege. And I think in your unique way, you've relinquished that professional privilege and everything that comes with it to do the work you do for Jasur. I just talk me through the thinking. Um, so I, I really hear what you're saying, Lamia. It's it's not easy to be an entrepreneur, especially in the in the male-dominated area, which is law and corporate law. It's it's famous that it's it was really for men, but for me, it's a challenge, and that's what really makes it different. And everybody was talking me out of it. At least get a partner who is a man. Uh, but we were a women-led uh, company at that time as well, and we managed to do good because with time, especially when it's slow, they need someone that they can trust. So this is building the trust is the something that I did in my corporate and also in Jusur. Um, leaving entrepreneurship um, for development world, I felt that um, in times when we had the second um, civil war in Libya in 2014, I felt that women were disappearing from the, from the public sphere. And despite that, they are really doing good when it comes to business. So there was no talk at all about women in business, women entrepreneurship, what women really do to bring bread to the table at the very difficult times. And I felt this is wrong. And, you know, being a lawyer and have this, you know, uh, ego and, you know, it's, it's, it, didn't, it didn't work for me. I wanted to do something that me as a woman and also Libyan women should be appreciated. And that's why I... Uh, this is one of the reasons why I left uh, the private sector to go to um, to Jusur. And it was really rewarding because... I mean, after you were on track to retire, like 40 or something ridiculous. Yes, it, it was my dream to work, work, work until I reach 40 and then I will retire to do my research. Next year, I'm reaching 40 and I didn't work, work, work. <laughs> I'll have to extend, extend this. But but it's it was worth it. Even if I had to give up um, um, a personal dream for that, it's it's worth it to see... I mean, for instance, the Libyan delegation from Spark, they're all women. It just shows how, how really important their role in the community. And before Jusur, there was no talk about women in business. And now women, if you just Google tra uh, entrepreneurship in Libya, you will find many women who are really leading. And I think this is, this is something good because usually in time of conflict, and I'm coming from a war-torn country, they're always talking about women as a vulnerable group. They are very weak, they are fragile. But in Libya, we're actually the one who's making the change. We're driving the job markets. We are, it's starting from a very small uh, jobs in home to be really um, uh, dominating in, in the market and they're opening more and more direct and indirect jobs. So this is something that I think it's a lesson learned that it has to be really enforced and uh, supported. And that's why working in Jusur, despite that it's Maybe it's not really rewarding when it comes to my personal dreams, but for my whole country, it's, it's really something that it's worth sharing. You know, you, you referenced the importance of network. There are ways I think um, it's easy to take for granted how important networks are to success. Give me an example of how you're 
closing a gap that if it weren't closed would mean the difference between a woman in Palestine succeeding at a venture or failing? Actually, in Palestine, we have uh, very skilled entrepreneurs. They are educated. They have very nice products. Uh, but what they need, they need a push. They need a um, kind of a support system. Uh, they need the, the right network to be, uh, to be more in the, uh, the economy. Uh, so uh, what makes an entrepreneur successful, for example, if we have a, a woman producing soap, for example, from natural olive oil, uh, she has the, the right product, a very nice product packaged in a, in a very good shape, but um, she doesn't know how to market this product. So if, if we connect her with the right network, with the right customers, with the right, uh, uh, maybe corporates, uh, that they, uh, want to, to have some gifts for their employees, for their, uh, uh customers, uh, she will succeed for sure. So a right network and right coaching and mentoring for women entrepreneurs, it matters a lot in the path of entrepreneurship. We're taking a quick break to tell you a little more about Spark, the presenting sponsor of this series. Now, Spark is a Dutch NGO which focuses on the empowerment of vulnerable groups in 14 of the world's most conflict-affected regions. Given that context, women are, of course, a key target group for the support Spark provides. They back initiatives that provide women-led startups and businesses with training, coaching, and access to finance that promotes job creation. To learn more about Spark and the opportunities they're creating right now, visit spark.ngo. That's spark.ngo. With the little time we have left, and time's already up, but I want you to reflect on the incredible success you're enjoying in Libya. And I use success obviously very carefully because true success, I suppose, would demand that your organization is not required. But you're one of the few organizations that has managed to depoliticize the woman entrepreneurship issue in your country, and right now, obviously a divided country, and um, one of the few NGOs that's able to serve both sides, as it were, that's a unique privilege, obviously, but it's an engineered privilege. Um, so yes, it's, uh, the context of Libya is that we really divided. Um, Eastern government, they don't talk to the Western government, but we managed since the day one, and as I said, that I managed, I, I built Jusur in philosophy of building a trust. We were depoliticizing the, the, the organization, so we never talk about politics. We never involve, we don't really share our opinions, although sometimes you really want to, yeah. and you really want to advocate for certain reasons, for, for certain And isn't projects. it also true that some grant funding organizations want you to? They want you yes. to be a representative of these issues. They but do. you, you they know do. better than but to we do refuse, that. But yeah. we refuse any, any grants or programs that we really put us in, in a position that we are really not serving the whole country. And and actually, recently we managed to do a caravan all around uh, Libya, and it really visited the places that it's between rural and urban areas, and it's really, it was really in, in the east and in the west, in, in Tripoli and Benghazi in the same day. Wow. And it, it really traveled all around the country with no problems at all, with no, uh, with no questioning from, you name it, Ministry of Interiors, Intelligence, all of these troublemakers sometimes. They, they, they were really, it was really a popular event. And I think it's a good practice of how, again, it's how long-term planning and understanding the sensitivity 
of the issue is very important. And we, I think this is really show the, empower, the, the power of economy and talking about economy of really building uh, some sort of peace in, in really difficult times. Call that a diary note that you might learn from. And I think something worth picking up with uh, Hala, if you're so fortunate enough as to corner her <laughs> over lunch or during a break, I think you could learn a lot. Jumana, that's true for you as well as you, young lady. I hope you, you soak up everything you possibly can from this experience. Is your first time in Amsterdam, correct? Lamia? Yeah, it's my first time. Fantastic. I'm sure they're already making you feel welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me thank my guests here today. Kala Lamia and Jumana, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Ladies, well done, well done, well done. She's not wrong, it's going to be a good workshop. It's going to be an incredible workshop, as will all of them, to be honest.